Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. to the world's number one guitar buying, selling, trading, <laughs> reviewing, breaking, modding podcast. <laughs> the number one. Yes. 200-something subscribers. That's all it takes. <laughs> number one, according to my mom. Oh, gosh. I actually was doing some... So I'm always looking for gear podcasts. Uh-huh. Not always, but like I've looked a few times. Every single day, all day, Steve no. is looking that's for all, gear that's podcasts. That's what I get paid to do. Um, <laughs> no, but I've looked for them, and uh, all of the ones that I've been able to find, except with the exception of GAK, uh-huh. GAK is probably the most similar podcast that I've been able to find. Uh-huh. So maybe we're the number two, not the number one. <laughs> um <laughs> But all the other like podcasts that I found that look like they would have been similar to us are very different, aren't they? Are well, I haven't even listened to them because none of them have like posted a new episode in like two years. Oh yeah, that's true. So well, hey, think- if you're not around, maybe you you at one time had a lot more subscribers than us, but you're not around. Yeah, so. it seems like maybe it's the sort of thing, and maybe we'll find this out that you can only do it so long, and then you get tired of not being successful and not making money, and you just quit. Maybe. But that's never stopped us from doing other things. <laughs> yeah. We were in your favorite band for five years. Yeah, dude. we didn't make any money or yeah. have any success. So uh, let's give this at least five years. Yeah. Let, guys, don't worry. We're not going anywhere. You know what? We've ha- <laughs> we have more fans of this podcast after 20... What is this? Episode 23? Uh-huh. So we have more fans of this podcast after 23 episodes than we had fans of your favorite band after oh, five absolutely. years. absolutely. More consistent fans anyways. We might have had... Uh, that many fans total over our lifespan of the band, but uh, you know, this is an easier thing for people to tune in to. Yeah. You know, it's it's easier to tune into a podcast and go to a show for sure, and it's free. Yeah, uh, this podcast is fueled by Slim Jims and Tecate beer <laughs> and uh, Cheetos. Steve is munching on well, at it. At least Steve is fueled by Slim Jims. <laughs> I had a Slim Cheetos Jim. And- I'm probably gonna be Slim Jim murdering. The whole episode. Oh, man. The habanero is kicking in for me. Yeah. It's, it's spicy, isn't it? It's spicy enough. But it's not It's not crazy spicy, though. No. Oh. I'm not, like, dying. No. Anyway. <laughs> uh, We're eating high quality, only the best food. What's funny is it is, like... You know... What's it, funny, Steve? What's, Tell me. What's make funny me laugh. Is, make me laugh. Is, uh, I'm always, like, like, when I go looking for beer... Uh-huh. I'm always like craft, craft, craft. Now I'm eating Slim Jims and drinking Tecate, drinking Tecate, <laughs> eating Cheetos. Cheetos. All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what's new, Ryan? Uh, well, it's not new, but I've got a story to tell. This a little bit old. I I keep forgetting to to talk about this. Uh, a couple months ago, I ordered. You've got a story to tell. I've got a story to tell inside your electrical well. 
What is this a reference to? Little birdhouse in your soul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they might be giants. Yeah. That's a great right song. Away. I've got a story to tell inside my. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, a couple of months ago, I ordered two packs of uh, my favorite brand of electric guitar strings from the music retail site Hello Music. Hello. Hello Music, and I used to be on their mailing list, and I unsubscribed because it was like four times a day that oh, they yeah. were sending me stuff. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I've uh, stopped seeing their stuff on Facebook, which is kind of a bummer. I'm not, I'm not sure where it went, huh. but... I always signed up for their giveaways. Now, every now and then I go there to check out what's what's being offered. They have kind of like a weird structure where they don't have everything, but they have certain things in and they're usually at deep discount. So yeah. it's, it's whatever, you know, a warehouse is trying to clear out. And so you'll go on there and there'll be, you know, a pedal or an amp or a guitar that's 10% under normal retail or something yeah. like that. Uh, so you got to be careful though. Sometimes they hit you with the shipping and that shipping can get crazy. Right. Uh, but I ordered two guitar strings. The shipping was fine on it. So, and the price was fine. And, uh, when the box showed up, I opened up the box and there weren't two packs of electric guitar strings in there. There were 10 packs of acoustic guitar strings. And I was like, uh, what am I going to do with these? I don't really play <laughs> acoustic enough to use this many strings. And I already have like backup sets of acoustic strings. Right. So I wrote them right away. Cause I was also bummed because I'm like, I needed those strings for my electric guitars. Cause I'm playing shows soon and I need backups. <laughs> Steve is trying to mask the sound of him chewing on Cheetos and Slim Jim. Is it super loud? I can hear it in the headphones, but in the past, the noise uh, gate has ca- caught that stuff. Okay, cool. Um, I'll chew louder then. Uh, so I wrote them, and I got a, a response really quick, I think within an hour. And the guy was like, wow, that's our bad. Uh, you just keep those, and I'm going to send you electric guitar strings. Nice. So I've had 10 acoustic strings sitting around. And I've actually been distributing them a little bit to close friends. I, I gave some to Adam Powell, who uh, did our theme song. Right. And I'm gonna. I keep planning on giving some to our worship leader. I gave some to you for yeah. for your uh, your ch- your church group. Yeah. That uh, that has kids and stuff. And then I think I'm keeping two or three packs for myself, and I'm just you know spreading the wealth around. But it was it was a funny socialist. It was a funny mistake. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, Order stuff off of Hello Music. You, they hope they screw up. They hope they screw up. I it actually, might be in your favor. My experience with them, that's where I got my custom Defender. And uh-huh. It was a similar experience. I actually ordered the custom Defender 5 head and cab combo. Yeah, you were talking about that last episode. And, uh, well, I was talking about the amp, but not the story. Oh, yeah. Tell the story. So uh, they're out of the 5. So they sent me an email. And they're like, if you really want the 5, um, you'll have to wait like three months. Um but if you want to upgrade to the 15, like we can get it in like a month and a half. Hmm. And I was like, well, the 15 has like more tone controls and it's got a 15 or four, 15 watt or four watt setting. The five, I think only has a five watt setting. Yeah. So if I run the four watt setting on the 15, it's like I just had the five, right? Like that's basically what I figured. Yeah, basically. Uh, so I've got like, like a 50 or hundred dollar upgrade. Nice. For free. Nice. Cause they were out. Yeah. So, Thanks, Hello Music. Yeah. Uh, you know. 60 Cycle Home, sponsored by Hello Music. <laughs> so go on there, look at their stuff. 
uh, like I said, just be wary of the shipping because I think I got nailed on some shipping one time where it's like, really? It costs that much to ship? Right. All right. Well, I guess I'm eating the cost. But uh, that's that's my story for the new stuff. Do we want to jump straight into ads? Sure. All right. What should we do first? I did some Craigslist tourism today. I went all over the world. Usually I stick to uh, kind of the West Coast or sometimes hit some places on the East Coast. But today I went to Europe on Craigslist and I found that most of Europe is a dead zone for Craigslist. Uh, there's you'd go to you know, like Dublin and there'd be four things in the right. music section. You'd go to uh, Amsterdam and there's almost nothing. I wonder if they just have something else. Like I know up in Canada, I don't think they use Craigslist. They use this one that's like Key or something. Yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's like a different. It's a it's a thing. Like it's a, a different thing. Uh, classified service. And, like, and in in Australia, we we figured out earlier today that they have one called Gumtree. Gumtree, which is so typical for Australia. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they must have some other they service. They don't have Facebook. They have, yeah, I don't know. That was going to be a lame joke, whatever. They, <laughs> they must have uh, some other service for their used stuff, or maybe they're all just eBay people or they just go to the, their local shop. It might be a completely different used culture there. Right. Uh, but I did land in London and I, and they actually seem to have a pretty active Craigslist in London. Uh, but the thing that's kind of crazy about it is that everything on the London Craigslist is super high end stuff. Huh. Like it's all really top shelf. Like everything is, you know, thousands of dollars. Right. Now were this was it like everything is thousands of dollars but the prices were fair? They were just really expensive things. It's, or? it's hard for me to know for sure because I I have trouble converting uh pounds or squids into squids. Uh American measurements of 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 uh kilos and <laughs> i don't know i'm super lost on oh that my stuff gosh. uh I, I know generally you could take uh you know the euro and probably close to double it no the euro is just, i want to say 1.3 right now okay so it's 30 percent more right now the british pound is equal to 1.69 oh US okay. dollars so it's like 70 percent more yeah okay um yeah, it's interesting. You should go on there and, and look around. Here in the states, you know, Craigslist is is going to be is going to be lower up high end stuff, and then mostly middle range stuff, right. and then a lot of like junky lower end stuff. Like, yeah, if you've been in listening, if you've been listening to the, this is your first episode, then you haven't heard this, but pretty much whenever we find really expensive stuff on our local Craigslist, uh huh. Our attitude towards it is like, dude, you're never going to sell this locally. Like, you you have to take this to a bigger market. Yeah, you need to take this to eBay, or you need to take it to like a consignment shop that specializes in like higher end yeah. stuff. You're not going to sell your five thousand dollar Batman guitar <laughs> on local Craigslist. Sure, sure. Even That's though, classic even ep- if it's episodes, even Steve. if it's really worth five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, but. Oh, I've heard that London is like the most expensive place in the world to live or something like that. It might just be that there's a ton of rich people there. Are there? Yeah. I don't know anything I th- about I think the UK. My wife's cousin was telling me that the other day that London is like the oh, okay. like the most expensive place in the world to live. Uh let's well, let's talk we about the We should have your wife's cousin as a guest on our podcast. 
if she was a guitarist, that would probably be a good option. I, you know, but sometimes she's I not. sometimes I wonder if it would be like awesome just to have her boyfriend's a, a guitarist, a, a guest that knows nothing about what we're doing. <laughs> There'd be a lot of silence on their part, and they would just look at the pictures of the on the ads and be like, "Oh, that yeah, that's pretty. That's that's a green guitar. That's green. <laughs> I could I would I could see how that would be worth that yeah. much. Well, we do have a green guitar here. That's a speaking of a segue. <laughs> Nice segue, Ryan. <laughs> uh, we've got... Uh, this is posted from London. i got two ads from London, and then we've got uh, some other stuff to talk about. Uh, this is a Brian May guitar. It's the 1993 Guild version. It is green. It's got like a transparent green wood grain to it. Uh, low serial number, 1,600 pounds. That seems really heavy for a guitar. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> So so real quick. So since we were talking about this, sixteen hundred pounds is like twenty eight hundred. I think. So it's like three quarters. Sure. So twenty eight hundred. Yeah, somewhere around like that. Seventy percent. Yeah, so like yeah. Twenty twenty six to twenty eight hundred U.S. dollars. Yeah, and uh, these are interesting guitars. Uh, Guild was making Brian May guitars. I think they first started doing it in the eighties. And Brian May is a guitarist from Queen. He has a very Unique guitar. We'll talk about that in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, but they were making reproductions of his guitar in the 80s, and he wasn't happy with them. They did a lot of weird things on them. The bridge was wrong. The pickups were wrong. Uh, various things were not to his spec. Right. And then they took another stab at it in the 90s, and and from all accounts, really got it right for the most part. The pickups were much closer the hardware is much closer, mm. uh, you know, all that sort of extra stuff. It, these look like they go for that kind of money. We were looking on, on eBay earlier, and there's only a few examples. There's not many of these that were produced. There's only about a 1,000 of them made, it sounds like. Uh, but they, they, they look like they start in the multi-thousands range and go all the way up sort of deal. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the history. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I'm going to kind of just be reading some stuff off of Wikipedia. Sure, sure. Um, you, should have, just, you shouldn't have said that. You should have just played it off like it was all your own. Yeah, and then someone's like, going to be like, fun. oh, that sounds really interesting. Like, I want to learn more about the Red Special. This guitar is called the Red Special. Uh-huh. Uh, don't need to look that up. Actually, before I start kind of delving into the history, I never knew that Guild made these. Um, I just knew about like the Burns reissues uh-huh. more recently, like within the last 10 years, well, which I think, I think were, they like, started doing the Burns reissues in the 2000s. Yeah. And they were like, I think they were like made in Korea or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're not as good. And, uh, but I mean, Brian May is one of those guys that. Is known for his tone and is known for really like a unique tone. He does whereas, a lot of like, weird stuff with his whereas, tone. Yeah. Um, whereas like, I think a lot of the 70s, 80s guitarists, you say like, oh, I want the uh, Mark Knopfler tone, Dire Straits. And you yeah. say, oh, get a Strat. Oh, I want the Andy Summers tone, the police. Get a, get a Strat and a chorus pedal. Right. Uh, I want the ZZ <laughs> Top tone. Oh, get a Les Paul. Whatever. Sure. Like, you know, these very... Like quick answers, and it's like I want the Brian May tone, and it's like oh, good luck. Um, yeah, so you need something with an out of phase switch and this and that yeah. and whatever. Well, you need something with three out of phase switches, and you need to have 
<laughs> like these very specific yeah. pickups. Um, so, so this is a part where I start reading. Yeah, read, uh, read it. The Red Special was uh, custom built by Brian May and his father. <laughs> um, and apparently he designed it intentionally to feedback for, for for feedback. Sure. After seeing Jeff Beck, which is interesting to me that he designed it for feedback because uh, Brian May is like the ultimate modder. Yeah. Um, he, I, I forget exactly what he did, but he was all about the Vox AC30s, but he gutted them. So I think they were like Vox AC30s, but it was like only the top boost channel. Like he removed the normal channel and uh-huh. left only the top boost channel and then like bypassed all the knobs. So it was only a volume knob, like something crazy like that. Yeah. And I don't know if he actually ran them all at once, but I've seen pictures where it's like Brian May with like 15 AC30s all on top of each other. Yeah. And still, he needed to design his guitar for feedback because 15 AC30s wasn't getting the job done. Have you seen the stages that Queen would perform on? I mean, they they were running all over the place. They had so much room. Yeah. Um, So the body, it's a semi-hollow body. It's a a bolt-on neck. It says this says it's a straight through slash bolt on, so I'm not sure what that means. It is a little shorter scale, 24 inch scale, which is the uh, actually like the Fender Mustang Jaguar yeah. scale. Well, here's here's the thing about the, his original guitar. He, him and his dad, freaking built this guitar from scratch. Yeah, like, and I always hear that. And I always want to hear more backstory on like what kind of work experience him and his dad had building guitars. I've always gotten the impression that. They just got a whim to build a guitar and just did it really well and had never done it before. But maybe like his dad was a luthier or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it's it's kind of a crazy story because they built it out of like 200-year-old fireplace mantle wood. Yeah. And apparently there's like wormholes going through parts of it. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, and they made the, the trim on it. Like a lot of people make guitars out of sure. random wood. Not a lot of people go to the effort to design their own tremolo. Apparently, it's made out of a piece of metal from a knife and like some springs and stuff from a car or something or like a bike. I don't remember. Like there's there's all this funky stuff about it. It's got three pickups, uh, these uh, these Burns Trisonic pickups uh, from the 60s or whatever. And it's got all these switches that put can you can put every switch every pickup out of phase or in phase or do all this different stuff uh it's just a really unique guitar yeah it's uh i mean it's a rock and roll history sort of thing yeah you can get a lot of information on it i mean this is a very well documented uh um uh thing apparently the original guitar had a built-in distortion circuit interesting but then he found that he liked the there's a the from a Vox distortion unit, uh-huh. but then um, he found that he just preferred the sound of a Vox AC30 distorting when it was turned all the way up. Oh no, kidding! So he took it out. He's <laughs> like, oh, I don't need this distortion circuit. I'm just going to turn my amps all the way up. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So there's been just. I mean, you. All, this is a guitar you always see when you see Brian May live on television. Sure, or, or I've anything. never seen him play anything no. other than. Uh, this specific model of guitar, I, whether he's been playing one, like a newer reproduction or something. Yeah, I mean he's he's play, he has his own, the original one. Um, Guild Guitar Company apparently made them from 1983 to 1985. Uh, Burns started or was Burns was making them in nine, and from 2001. 
Um, I think they may. I'm not sure if they still are making them. Um, an unofficial manufacturer was uh, making them like in 2011. Like people make these. There's definitely sure. a market for them. Um, Greg Fryer, who is an Australian guitar luthier. Are we saying luthier now? I, I think I prefer it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, apparently x-rayed the body to get more information and then used the x-rays to do like CAD production. Did he reproduce all the wormholes? Like, I, I, don't, I mean, some, I guess. Like, I guess some termites loose in there to, to, to lighten it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the idea. But uh, so Fryer actually made um, the uh, alternate. Um, so Fryer made three replicas named John Paul and George Burns, named after the Beatles, sure. and then the comedian George Burns. So it says John is May's main backup red spe- main backup med- red special and is tuned to standard. When May plays George Burns' life, he tunes it to drop D to play Fat Bottom Girls and occasionally another one by Sedust. Um, apparently, he doesn't play Paul. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't really say. I'm Like I said, I'm not going to read everything. Sure. If you type in Red Special, um, like the first thing that will come up is the Wikipedia article. There's another site, uh, brianmaygitars.co.uk. That's got the whole story. I think that might be... I guess that's the official site for Brian May guitars. Yeah. But again, um, this is one of these guitars that is is beyond, I think, you know, you have... It's beyond reproduction. It's beyond reproduction and it's beyond like the level of... I would put this guitar up with Les Paul's uh, The Log. Yeah, the the, like, the prototype. The Yeah, the prototype, The Log. I mean, you know... A lot of guys have had their their signature instrument that's always like somebody else's instrument. Like, sure. oh, you know, Eric Clapton has Blackie. Um, you know, uh, the what's the the uh, the the guy from uh, Pink Floyd? Right, right. David Gilmour has like the black black Strat or black number one or whatever. Right, right. Someone's going to correct us on that. Thank you. Yes, Congratu- thank you. Congratulations. I know I don't know the name of it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Hendrix had the 68 reverse headstock Olympic white. Right. These different things. But they were all someone else's guitar. Like, they were just taking a guitar that existed and making it iconic. Les Paul built the log from scratch. Les Paul built, you yeah. know, the, did the original Les Paul designs um, with uh, Paul McCarty. I don't remember. Um, and then Brian May, like the, he built the Red Special. Like this yeah. is a unique piece of guitar history. It's not just somebody making a manufacturer famous. Yeah, totally. And that's what makes this guitar super cool. Yeah. But if you're in London, you can buy this reproduction for uh, sixteen hundred pounds. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, this the, it sounds like the the nineties guilds get pretty close. Uh, and let's be honest, even if you had brian may's actual guitar you're still not brian may so it's not going to sound the same uh let's move on to another ad from london this is interesting because it's a charvel which is that was a california company right yeah it's it's funny to see one of our california guitars all the way across in london uh this is a really unique guitar 
I'm going to post a picture of it. I'm going to post pictures of all these ads on the Facebook group. So when we you po- should do that. Yeah, when we post uh, when we post the new episodes, or if you listen to this episode, you can search back far enough. Uh, use a search function on Facebook and just search for the uh, the episode number, and you'll be able to find uh, the post that has the pictures of the ads. This is really neat because it looks like it's made out of a lot of different pieces of wood, and you've got a uh, a dark center stripe of wood going down the the body, and then on the sides you've got these diagonal lines of dark wood, light wood, dark wood, light wood, dark wood, light wood. So you get this really neat pattern. Right. It's almost kind of this funky zebra striping thing. Yeah. It's more like a caution tape sort of like industrial sort of look, but it's made out of wood. But this is your standard Charvel kind of 80s super strat, one humbucker, Floyd Rose, one volume knob, uh, a uh, Stratocaster style headstock. Uh, it's probably fit, plays super fast. Great for your Eddie Van Halen cover band. Yeah. Uh, it is going for 1780 pounds in London. What is that? Uh, US. What do you think? How much? 1780. 1780. So let's just call it 1800 pounds. Yeah. So 1800. So, uh, uh, like 24. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Some of these early car uh, Charvels, some of these early Charvels, they they do fetch quite a bit of money. Uh, as Charvel progressed as a company, they got bought out a couple times, and they became Jackson Charvel. And the later models aren't worth all that much. But some of the earlier, like a uh, early models to come out of that company, can be worth quite a bit of money. I'm sure be- this being a early Charvel in London. Like being a California guitar yeah. in in uh, London, it's probably going to fetch more as like a collector's piece because it's taken out of its environment. Right, there might be fans of American metal over there who want to pick it up. Uh, if it well, was... there's also just like you said, like it is. We take for granted our our prices of things here. Uh huh. So like, I can go out on Craigslist any day of the week and buy a used Mesa Dual Rectifier for like. I don't know, eight hundred bucks. Sure, I think. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds for, about for right. Dual um, depends on the model. Well, the dual. A the, lot of them like have the, du- a lot of them have dual rectifiers. No, the, the hundred watt dual rectifier. That's the model. Oh, okay, that's the model. Come on, right? Oh, I, I don't Come know. On. Well, I know they, um, a lot of their models have dual rectifiers. Yes. Um, actually, for a long time, I wanted to get a um, the Mesa. Is it the Tremo Verb? think is the model no idea what you it's, want it's uh, yeah i know uh it was the, it's basically like the high gain it's like the high gain uh amp but it has like a tr- i think a tremolo and a reverb circuit hence remember it's what the guy from incubus w- was using i don't know if he still is but f- like in their uh make yourself era that's what he was using right. um but anyway uh you can get those amps like I want to say eight hundred or thousand bucks here on the used market. Sure, I want to say over there they're like three thousand dollars. Yeah, probably because it's just you know importing it and just they if they weren't distributed there, yeah, there wasn't there weren't a lot to go around and you know good luck on the shipping on those things if you want to you know ship them for across sure. the pond for sure. It's the same sort of thing. Uh, we have some listeners or people on other groups who are in Australia. And they always talk about how bad shipping is to get even American pedals 
like petals will yeah. just like you can double the price just by having it shipped to Australia. I'm yeah. sure it's probably not as bad, but a similar sort of thing in but I in wonder the UK. if uh I wonder if that's a big driver in like in Australia and New Zealand cuz I know a few guys down there uh to get like the Joyo stuff because they're yeah, getting, maybe. it might be cheaper to get like the Joyo stuff from, it probably, from China or yeah, whatever. Yeah, probably ships direct to them from China. Yeah. Uh and some of that stuff can be really nice, you know. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a with a cheap pedal. No, if it sounds good. If it sounds if it does the sound that you want and it doesn't break after some normal use, what yeah. is there to complain about, you hey. know? How about it? The best the best pedals in the world are the ones that are basically broken anyways. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Well, you but... know, think about any fuzz pedal, you know. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> the best fuzz pedals are the ones that sound broken. Uh, and let's uh, speaking of a segue, let's use that as a segue. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, go ahead and talk about this it. This got posted like a week ago. No, I thought it got posted. Well, yesterday slash a week ago, uh, depending on how you, you know look what? at You're it. You're right. It got posted like a week and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do we have to really... I don't know. Like, I... reveal that we record multiple podcasts at a time every time? I guess. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this was posted by Ben Borman. He said, pick this up for $60 today. How did I do? I can't get an idea for the value of this edition with box. It's a big early two thousands. I think it's a big muff pie from EHX. This is the uh, USA, the big muff USA or the NYC model. So it's the silver box, not the black box. Uh huh. Um, and it's in the wood box. So I always think it's super cool that that EHX with their like, at least with the larger muff series, like they uh-huh. do these wooden boxes. Yeah, they're neat. Um. They don't do it with the with the nano series, of course not. But uh, uh, sixty bucks is, I mean, that's a fair price. That's a normal price. Yeah, I mean, that's you pretty didn't, standard. You didn't get, you know, take it advantage of. You didn't get the best price in the world. You know, whatever. Yeah, like if you love that, if you're gonna, if you play that pedal and you and it does something for you, then you know it's totally worth sixty bucks. Yeah, I've never actually like uh, consciously tried a big muff. Really? Yeah, like I've never used one that I know of. Oh, you know what? I've heard Adams though. Uh we were our worship leader was messing around with Adams oh, God. big muff at practice uh, a week or two back. Yeah. That thing is a beast. Oh yeah. I don't I don't remember what model is it. I think it's one of the the Russian ones, right? It's, uh, it's a green like the, army. Oh, he, yeah, Adam has one of the old green ones. Yeah, and it is crazy. Here's the thing about big muffs. I can hear you chewing that Cheeto. Sorry. <laughs> Here's the thing about Big Muffs. It seems like for the history of Big Muffs, they've released a new model like every three months. And so there are literally hundreds of variations on the Big Muff. Like I, I there's a, a guitar pedal documentary out there somewhere on the on the internet that I watched a while back and there was a guy who specifically collects big muffs and he's trying to get every single one. Yeah, there, there's a, so many variations. He had a wall covered in big muffs like so many big yeah muffs. And, th- and that's not even looking at the fact that like in the last decade they've expanded to like yeah the big muff the the the, the classic muff the, the double muff the metal the double muff. muff yeah exactly they've yeah. got all these like variations big now. Muff with wicker but yeah but back in the day it was like you had the so i think the original one was like the sovtech army tank green yeah muff and then um 
There's I don't few... know what the original one was. I don't think that's the original. It's not. Is it not? I don't think so. Well, I, I don't. Know... I'm not super clear on the history. I just know that there's a ton of them. Yeah, and people get really worked out up about certain models. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of. There, I know it's one probably of the... the most. One of the popular ones is the the Rams head model, which is uh-huh. which I, as far as I could tell, the Rams head model is it's just it's called that because the pie looks like a Rams head, huh? Oh, okay. Um, the Big Muff has to be like the most produced pedal in the world, yeah. like including all the clones of it. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fuzz faces out there, but there's no way there's as many original. Uh, manufactured fuzz faces. There's probably more clones of fuzz faces than there are originals. But I feel like there's way more original big muffs than there are the clones. Yeah. So I'm an idiot, and I knew this. Um, <laughs> the original big muff ish, like the origin was the muff fuzz, which was uh, a couple episodes we talked about how back in the day it was one of those plug-in uh, ones. It was a plug-in effect. Yeah. With, I think it just. I think it did have an on-off switch, but it was a toggle. Yeah, it wasn't a stomp. Um, it was a my. It w- the muff fuzz was this article or this is a thing says it was a. Um, this is a quote from Mike Matthews, who's the founder of Electro Harmonics. Um, he said he wanted it was a. Uh, Mild overdrive circuit in a LPB1 box, which is the original linear power booster. Uh-huh. Um, and he wanted to come out with a three-knob distortion unit in a bigger box. So they uh, basically they redesigned it with the difference, you know, different sustain and whatever and some different things going on. So um, this is a long quote. Um, but yeah, so that was the original one, I guess. Uh, the original Big Muff Pie, and there's just a bunch of different things, and and like you said, there's just been all kinds of different versions of it, um, and it's really the Big Muff was apparently the Big Muff. Um, David Gilmore used it on Pink Floyd's Animals uh-huh. and the Wall. Tons of people have used uh, the Big yeah. Muff. Santana used it in the early days. Uh, Thin Lizzy, Kiss, Frank Zappa. I mean, when I think of the Big Muff sound, I think of the 90s. Yeah. Like, that's to me, that's the sound of the 90s, is this crazy, cranked all the way up fuzz. You know, it's like uh, Billy Corgan used the Big Muff a ton. Yeah, and they, know, ta- they talk about that, too. Like, Smashing Pumpkins, Dinosaur yeah. Jr. Any grunge band was, uh, either used, Youth. was either using a Big Muff or something that sounded a lot yeah. like it. And that's kind of like the grunge sort of fuzz. Right. So, uh, I'm kind of surprised I don't have a Big Muff right now or a, a variation of it. I've got a fuzz face variation. Did you have a Big Muff? I did. I had clone that, for at all? I had the, what is it? The Mojo Hand Colossus, which is basically a hot rotted Big Muff, but I just couldn't get into it. Okay. So I'll be getting eventually, um, I got to get some shipping arranged, um, but I'm going to trade my Boss DD7 for a two-in-one overdrive fuzz. Fun. Uh, which is, in the, in our early episodes, we talked about a group on Facebook called Gear, Bigfoot, and Jesus. Uh-huh. 
I don't think it's around anymore. Is I it? don't think it is. I think Casey closed it down. Yeah, which is probably was for the best. Yeah. Well, it seemed uh, like it was kind of dead. I, yeah. I stopped checking after, it out after Jonathan Diaz left. It really went. It really slowed down. Huh. Um. At least that was my perception. Uh. But anyway, so I'm gonna be trading my DD7 for a pedal that was uh, known as the Bigfoot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. And it's one side is um. A basically like a big muff style fuzz, right? And the other side is, um, I, I, I asked the guy who built it, um, to describe it, and he said it was like a 70s, like m- mid gain overdrive, so kind of like in the vein of like a huh. the Who or, or, uh, interesting, like kind of not like a light, like tube screamer kind of thing, but something a little more heavy, like sure. a little more ballsy, hmm. so. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, I mean, if I like it, it's going to be the uh, the foundation for. I think I'm going to build like a. I've got pedals laying around. I I want to put them. <laughs> I want to have them where I could actually use them if I wanted to. So I'm thinking about putting together like a second board just so the pedals that I have aren't sitting in a bag. Right. Totally. Yeah. I have a bunch of pedals laying around. I'd need to either sell them or build a second board. Right. And the thing is, is the pedals I have laying around are, uh, they're not like name brand pedals. So I, sure. I don't feel like they're worth, like I'm not, I don't feel like I can get very much money for them. And if I sell them, like I'm never going to be able to replace them. Right. Because they're. You just need a place to store them. Yeah. Yeah. So why not put them on a board? And I've kind of been inspired. I've been seeing guys like who are just getting pallets from Home Depot and turning uh-huh. them into pedal boards. I'm like, I can do that. There maybe. was someone who posted a one today in one of our groups. Uh, they used some of those white wire like closet shelves, and they basically like zip tied pedals to it, and they were using that as a huh. pedal board. Uh <laughs> it's a looked, little too. It looked funky. Yeah, like I think if you spray painted it a different color, like a dark color, so and the petals would look like they're kind of floating off the floor a little bit or something. Right. But the white, like you could tell, it was a a a closet shelf. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, anything to to keep your petals together, so you don't have to constantly put them back together when you move them, sort of thing. Is yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we jump into topics? Sure. Uh, which one do we want to do first? Uh is it? Which, I'm trying to remember. We've which got one the you one have. here where the guy ta- asks us about guitar fetish, and what's the one you have? This is about serial numbers. Uh, let's hit the guitar fetish one okay. first. This is an email from a new listener, and you're going to learn that when I read the whole thing to you. <laughs> uh, I just discovered your podcast a couple days ago. It's great. I'm a guitar geek too. I've been playing for about 26 years now. Have you guys heard of Guitar Fetish? Great website for parts, guitarfetish.com. Also, Elderly Music here in Michigan. They have a great site with lots of interesting vintage stuff. Elderly.com. Your show is great. I've been checking out the past episodes. Keep up the good work. Greg. Thanks for writing, Greg. Uh, Steve and I are super familiar with Guitar Fetish. Oh, yeah. Uh, neither of us are familiar with Elderly. No, I, I know think. Elderly. You know Elderly? Yeah. I'd, I'd, if Elderly is... Uh, I would compare Elderly to like Buffalo Brothers. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but I think they're probably bigger. I don't know if they go quite as high-end as Buffalo Brothers does. Interesting. But it's kind of like that same sort of deal. Like 
Elderly is a really cool shop. Cool. Uh, at least they have a really cool website. I'll have to check it out because I've never looked at it. But yeah. gu- guitar fetish is something that we've both definitely oh, yeah. been deep into. Uh, it's basically a parts store. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking at your Explorer. Isn't that is that a guitar fetish bridge on your Explorer? Uh, the trim, the the uh, the humbucker is. The, 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 the bridge. The bridge is, is it? not. Oh, okay. I don't think it is, anyways. Uh, but I've bought a lot of pickups off a of guitar fetish. Yeah. Uh, I've been happy with all of them. They've really been. Ex- I haven't followed them as closely lately, but they've really been expanding. I've been seeing them like putting up pickups that are really. I don't want to say they're expensive. They're not expensive compared to like a true boutique, sure. but they're definitely like more expensive than right. they used to be. Well, they but do, they they still have the full range. Yeah, they do a lot of variation. They do a lot of experimenting with design and offering unique For sure. things. Uh, like the the pickup I have in that Explorer is really unique. It's yeah. got it's kind of borders in between. It is somewhere in between a PAF and a Filtron, which is a weird thing to say. Right. Like, I don't feel like those two connect very well, but it is a humbucker and it kind of, it kind of sounds like a normal humbucker, but then it kind of has this, uh, freaking like Filtron thing going on, like this vintage rockabilly sort of vibe. And it's kind of got like, it's got a really interesting look because the magnets look like the magnets out of a uh, Seymour Duncan quarter pounder pickup. Yeah, yeah. But then it's a humbucker, which Seymour Duncan quarter pounder is a single coil pickup. Yeah, it's really visually so it's striking. Just, yeah, it definitely uh, stands out. It's a really cool look. Are you opening another Slim Jim? I'm trying to. <laughs> you can't eat two Slim Jims in a day, Steve. Uh, You're going to yeah, die. Watch. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> this is the last episode featuring Steve. <laughs> Steve is going to die. <laughs> if you're listening to this, it's the future and Steve is dead from Slim Jims. <laughs> hey, was it Ultimate Warrior that was all about the Slim Jim? I don't know who was. It wasn't... I can't remember. I, I never watched professional no. wrestling, but I know who you're talking about. He did the commercials yeah. for it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have a guitar fetish... Uh, that's it. I yeah. have a guitar fetish. Uh, no, sh- I, I have the guitar fetish. I got a lipstick pickup that I was originally going to put into my red Telecaster. Uh-huh. And the output was so, like, stri- strikingly different than the humbucker yeah. in there that it didn't work. You can't really put um, lipsticks with other pickups. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to eventually. I know. <laughs> anyway, um, but so that's... I got that from Guitar Fetish. I've had some of their other parts for other projects that didn't work out, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a guitar finish uh-huh. problem. Um, and then Nate, our worship leader, has uh, just bought uh, one of their Xavier or whatever. Yeah, their line of guitars Z- is called Xavier. Xavier, or maybe it's Xavier. <laughs> maybe. Xavier. Xavier. That sounds like a cologne or perfume oh, or something. Uh, but that thing plays awesome. Oh, it's nice. It sounds really good too. Like yeah. every time uh, he's 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 playing on that thing, I'm like, man, that thing sounds really good. Probably because it's got those sweet sweet GFS pickups in there. You yeah, know? yeah. Those guitar fetish pickups. A lot of people, uh, a lot in the modding world, GFS was super popular. I feel like with I feel like boutique is a much bigger thing now than it was like a few years ago it's a bigger thing when you're looking at pictures of who of people's stuff that they just bought but people who are out there still modding their stuff are still probably hitting up gfs pretty hard Uh, i gotta say after messing around with uh our friends uh, xavier guitar 
I feel a lot more inclined to go on there and buy some parts oh, yeah. as far as like bodies and necks and stuff like that. They have some really neat bodies right now that have uh, like the perloid material on them right. that look like drum shells. Those things look <laughs> crazy. Those things are crazy looking. And I've all, I've been wanting to basically build a project around those uh, Tisco style tremolos that they have. Oh, right. The little yeah. like... Uh... And those things are so affordable. They're like 30 bucks. And you could slam a tremolo onto any sort of guitar that's got a uh, like a tunematic or a over the uh, over the bridge sort of thing, right? With the strings, and it's going to have like a really neat vintage style. And people are saying that they're they're really legit, like they're they work great. The trims, yeah. Well, the bodies look great. Uh, it's Polonia, which is I mean, it's a it's a tropical wood. I've heard it compared kind of like to pine. Sure, it's really light. Yeah. Um, it's probably not the greatest tone wood, but again, GFS is like, GFS is warm moth for people that don't want to spend a lot of money. Sure. I guess. Um, it's just, it's very, it's very budget oriented. It's very like hobbyist oriented. And I think if you know what you're doing, um, you know, if you want to learn about guitar building, like this is a better setup than like getting a Saga kit. Sure, um, totally. It's probably not as great of a setup as like I know Carvin. Like you can buy the Carvin bolt kits, uh-huh. and that's a really great uh, route to go. I think GFS is probably uh, like if you were to buy a kit from them, it might not be as high quality as the Carvin bolt kit, but you're gonna have more parts options. You're gonna have yeah, you know, with the Carvin bolt kit, you're buying the Carvin bolt, yeah, and you're, and you're assembling it yourself. With GFS, you can get like you know one type of neck and a different type of body and get pretty wild get your pickups get your hardware like you're you're picking all that stuff it actually like it really gives you the ability to do have like a personal custom shop experience where you are your own custom shop yeah definitely it's a great it's pretty cool i hope they're around for a long time yeah i hope they don't go out of fashion they've been around for a while (laughs) excuse me (laughs) uh the the uh i think the guy that runs it is out i forget where he's operating out of um but basically he's i guess like kind of a middleman uh-huh like he's got people overseas making all this stuff for him and he just sells it well he's doing a great job whatever yeah. he's doing yeah and again like a lot of the stuff that they they have coming in um parts wise from what I've been hearing, it doesn't, especially pickup wise, like it doesn't compete with like the high end boutique stuff. No, of course not. But it's better than a lot of the OEM stuff. And when I say OEM, oh, yeah. like I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, of course those pickups on this Squire Affinity suck. But like a lot of guys take GFS pickups and drop them into their Mexican strats. Uh huh. Um, so they're definitely sitting in like, like GFS stuff can be an upgrade for a fraction of the cost of what you would pay for like Seymour Duncan USA. Definitely. Um you're going to you're paying like Duncan design prices, but you're getting a product that's probably closer to the line of like DiMarzio or yeah. Seymour Duncan like their mainline stuff. I mean, you read the descriptions on the pickups that they're on there and you get the sense that they've they're really thinking about the designs yeah. of these things. Yeah. Like they're really like they're either telling you what they were going for with it or they're telling you what it ended up as, you know, like they're going to tell right. you, Oh, this pickup is 
going to give you this kind of mid-range response. It's going to give you these kinds of, you know, sustains and this kind of like punchy output or soft output or something like that. They do a really good job of describing their product. Yeah, it's really well put together. Yeah. Great job, Guitar Fetish. We should, when we start shopping around for sponsors, we should hit them up. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I, if we ever do shop for sponsors, I th- yeah. I think that would be a neat thing to do. I always like the idea of like uh, um, with sponsors, like I want to get sponsors that will just give us like a couple products to review to review and then, and then and, never return in exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically <laughs> like, so say we do guitar fetish and so the guitar fetish, uh, they have some effects pedals. Sure. So maybe like they send us a couple effects pedals and we just never return them. And in exchange, we do like a month worth of yeah. name dropping. That sounds like a good idea. 60 cycle hum brought to you by guitar. Yeah, fetish. Uh, guitar fetish. Write us at 60 cycle humcast at gmail.com. And uh, propose your sponsorship plan. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, if if we, eh, we'll, we'll talk about sponsorship stuff later. <laughs> if we ever do this, it could be a pipe dream, Steve. It is. a Yeah. Yeah. We might we not, only have to uh, get five times as many listeners as we currently have. <laughs> well, that was my, my original goal to try to get like a thousand listeners. Yeah. And start shopping around. But lately I've been thinking maybe we can uh, start smaller than that. Sure. See what happens, you know. Uh, should we talk about the other topic? Yeah, uh, so we got this email from Luke Mundy. Um, he's in the group too. And he said, uh, in this listing, the seller has taped over the serial number on their MIM strat. I've never seen this and can't figure out why someone would feel the need to conceal the serial number. Is this a thing? Well, I saw that you replied to this guy, but I I had never heard of this. And yeah. so I thought we should talk about it because it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's a thing. Um, you don't see it as much anymore. Uh-huh. But basically, this is something that I actually used to see on eBay all the time. And people would say, like, in the ad, like, send me a message and I'll send you the serial. And actually, like, that's kind of the way I usually operate on Craigslist. If, this, if I don't have a clear picture of the serial number, I'll be like, you know, send me an email. I'll send you serial number, whatever. Sure. Um, but the reason that they do this, uh, first of all, they don't, you don't see it a lot anymore. Uh huh. And I'm not sure if there's a specific socioeconomic political reason for this. There probably is something that you could correlate. Um, <laughs> what? But um, okay, <laughs> whether or not correlation in this case is also causation. This podcast just went up like fifty <laughs> IQ points. I don't know what's going on. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> the reason that they do this is because if you send me, if you're posting pictures of your guitar uh-huh. on um, Craigslist. And then I f- say like, oh, I really want that guitar. I'm just going to file a police report and say like, oh, yeah, I had this red Fender Stratocaster seal number. Da, 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 and here it is on Craigslist. Like That's a dirty trick. Yeah. And I don't know if people actually ever got away with this. Right. Because you'd have to, I feel like you'd have to forge a, have to have a few some different of, pieces of documentation. You'd have to have some sort of proof of original ownership, wouldn't right, you? Right, exactly. So I don't know how you would prove original ownership. Um, it sounds like something that maybe happened once or twice and then got passed around as an email story. Sure. And then a ton of people were just wary of it. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not totally sure where this came from. Uh, I have heard, though I don't know why they would need this, that this is actually like 
at one source for serial number mining for like the for counterfeit guitars. Uh, um, yeah. So just different things. It's something that I've never personally been uh, concerned with, but I know like um, I don't know if it was the case in Luke's email. Um, but I know I've seen other people be like, oh, is this a scam? Like, are they covering up the serial number because because it's stolen? Right. And I guess that could be a case. Like, you would say, like, oh, well, I only see the first three digits. So I don't I, think thieves are that smart, honestly. <laughs> yeah, if they were smart, they wouldn't be selling it on Craigslist. Yeah. Um, or maybe they would. I well, don't know. they'd sell it in a different city. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, like, it's... It's a personal protection thing. It's the same reason, like, people will say, like, oh, send an email with your phone number. If you don't send me a phone number, then I'll just consider it spam. Uh huh. Um, It's a protective measure. Does it really help? I don't know. I'd rather see the serial number like this where it's only covering, like, four of the seven digits or whatever um, rather than all of it. Sure. Because at least from the first, like... The two letters and the first three digits, like, I can figure out how old the guitar is. Right, totally. Um, Whereas if you give me, like, no digits and, like, I I don't know. It's just, it's goofy. A lot of times with with some of the guitars where the serial number is on the back of the headstock, I never even take a picture of that. Yeah. So it it doesn't really even matter. Yeah, that's the sort of thing where if I'm selling a, a guitar, I guess it's because I sell lower end instruments, so... I've never even bothered to take a close up of the serial or yeah. think about that. Yeah, like I don't I said, think a lot of people have ever asked me for serials either. I think it's something that you This is actually the first time I've seen this in a while. Um but it is something that I think was a lot more prominent 10 years ago, sure, than it is now. Um and that's not good or bad, it's just that's the reality of that situation. Yeah. Should we uh, end the podcast on that note? I guess so. We got nothing else to say. Looks like we've filled up almost an hour here. Wow. Uh, So, well, let's talk about the song that we're going to play. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play a song that was a collaboration between me and Adam Powell, the guy who did our our theme song. Yeah. Uh, And we basically had this concept that we wanted to do a, uh, well, there. There's a local rag here called City Beat. I think they, it's a franchise. They have them in different cities, too. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a arts and culture and music review sort of thing. And they do this thing every year that's the great demo review where everyone sends in their demos and then people who work at the magazine kind of tear everything apart and make fun of everything or they say if something is really good or not most of the stuff is just hilarious to read the reviews yeah i feel like their quality of the review like the trashing of people's work has gone down yeah it's not as good as it was a few years ago. yeah it used to be really rough and that was the most entertaining thing yeah and uh we all used to know a guy who was the music editor over there and so Adam and I got in the habit of every year making prank CDs to send in as a demo review. And so we put together this concept of a, of a jazz band that makes what we consider to be like the worst jazz in the world. Like right. the, mo- the stacked on top of each other, all the worst cliches of modern jazz of, you know, white people jazz basically. And we sent it in and much to our dismay, 
the person gave a semi-positive review of right. it. And every person that we've shown it to has been like, wow, this is actually, you know, pretty good when we were intentionally trying to mock bad jazz. There's just not enough wrong notes. Well, there's, there's <sighs> well, they're all wrong notes. Well, there's no wrong notes in jazz. I mean, it's all improv. We don't have anything pre-planned out. So I'm going to play a track from, from our project called Jazz Domingo. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, look it up on Bandcamp if you do. Oh gosh, uh, it's a, uh, it's quite a thing. Yeah. What song? What's the title of this song? Uh, I think we're gonna do the Latin jazz one, which is uh, 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 empanadas and mimosas. Right. And okay. It's, it's got a wicked police uh, whistle in there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. This, this is the part of the show where the music uh... is fading in. <laughs> is this joke old now? Are we done with this? Uh, yes, we are. Okay, we're done with this. This is the end of the episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.